Hi, this is Michelle Nyong'o. Thank you for listening to my podcast. The intention of the podcast is to tell a story, start a conversation on grief and loss, and later on in the series to host interviews with counsellors, professionals, and others who have experienced grief and loss. Please take note that some of what you may hear might be difficult to listen to and may be triggering for those who've experienced grief, loss, or time in a hospital setting. Episode 19. What day is it anyways? Studies show we lose our ability to effectively measure speed while driving through fog. We're not able to use landmarks as reference, and if we don't pay extra attention to the speedometer, we can drive much faster than safe or intended. Driving through fog is also exhausting. It takes an abundance of caution and focus to safely navigate in such conditions. This hypervigilance is tiring. Grief, to me, is like driving in fog. There's no reference points for traversing through such an experience. Life passes by much quicker than you expect, much of it going unnoticed. Grief is exhausting too. Wading through the dense fog of grief takes a mental, physical, and emotional toll. Before you know it, you've lost your way and time has gotten away from you. From Stride Wellness, this is Michelle Anyango, and you're listening to Weary and Burdened. The days following David's passing fused together into an indistinguishable mess. I kept fairly busy taxiing the girls around, coaching their basketball team, and preparing for David's memorial, but mostly I spent a lot of time doing menial things, thinking of David. It was hard to take my mind off of anything but him. As a result, sleep was difficult. Well, sleep itself wasn't difficult. I fell asleep, eventually and slept for a good amount of time, but it wasn't restful. The firsts for everything after arriving home were hard. Going to the girls' school, seeing friends and family, going to church, all things I thought I'd be doing with David in tow. No amount of preparation helps with the firsts. Day in and day out, you put one foot in front of the other and trudge on. I was told people grieve in different ways and it's normal to feel angry, depressed, guilty, and sad. I didn't feel angry. I think anger comes with the question, why? Why did he have to suffer only to die? Why did he have to die? Why did this happen to me? To me, I knew the answer to the question, why? And that was because God said so. For a lot of people, that's not good enough. I didn't have that many thoughts of why. I guess I was lucky in that way. I wasn't depressed. I found peace in what had happened to David. I had received some semblance of closure even before he passed away. Another blessing. I didn't have guilt either. Even though we removed the breathing tube, 
I felt David made the decision and we carried out the process. Plus, I believed God was big enough to overcome any of our mistakes. If David was meant to live, he would have. I suffered from jealousy, though. I was jealous of others who got to take their babies home. Jealous of people with healthy babies. In no way did I wish them any ill will. That's the last thing I'd ever want for another family. I guess I just felt sorry for myself. I think the thing I felt the most was sadness, mixed with longing. You know the feeling you get when someone you love is away for a long time and you miss them desperately? That's how I felt. I really missed David, and the feeling was exacerbated by the fact I'd never see him again. Not on earth, anyhow. I could be 50 plus years. Such a long time. The preparation for the memorial was anxiety-provoking. I wanted it to be a certain way, but had no experience in the planning of such a thing. The church and the pastor and his wife helped us navigate our way through the process. I was glad we organized it because it allowed me to be a part of the whole process. I liked being able to pick out the guest book, the candles, the pictures, etc. It was more time engrossed in all things David. We chose the 21st of January for the memorial, in part to give the crematorium a chance to deliver David's urn. Finding out David had been cremated was intensely difficult for me. I have a story that highlights where I was at the time, mentally. One day I came home and saw that there were some messages on the answering machine. I scrolled through the call display and saw BC Women's Hospital had called. My heart raced. I quickly pressed play on the answering machine and a voice stated they were calling from the hospital. My heart leapt. In my mind, I was fully expecting to hear one of the doctors had gone down to the morgue and found David was alive. Instead, I listened as the voice stated the body had been released to the crematorium and he'd been cremated. I knelt down on the ground and played the message over a few times as I cried. His death had been truly finalized in that moment. He was gone for good. When we lose someone or something, we don't always accept reality fully. The message was a blow hitting me so hard it knocked me out of my fog for long enough to experience a re-breaking of my heart. Days later, we came home to find a box from Canada Post waiting for us. It was David's remains. His urn. I opened the package. It was like unwrapping one of those Matryoshka dolls. A large box filled with decreasingly smaller boxes with bubble wrap layered in between. Then there it was. The most perfect little urn. It was silver with white doves on it. I started to bawl. It was so tiny, only a bit longer than my thumb. I don't know what I expected, but that wasn't it. I guess I thought it would be bigger, but it really truly was David's size. The girls started to cry too. They just couldn't believe he was in there. Reuben held on to it for a while, just staring at it. I had to walk away. It was all too much. Within a few minutes, I composed myself and was grateful it had arrived. He'd made it in time for his memorial. Having him there and the memorial on the horizon acted to lift some of the fog. 
As the healing started, the gloom and mist cleared. Written and narrated by me, Michelle Nyong'o. Music by The Wristband. All post-production work done by Waxwing Productions. Artwork done by Danielle McCray.